Okay. How many of you know what this is? Speak it out loud. What is it here? Life jacket. There we go. This is going to be a little illustration to the sermon this morning. This is a snorkel. Okay, just I was looking for something that would uh, have something to do with swimming and being in the water to go with the life jacket. And it'll all make sense here in a little bit. But I just wanted to share those things with you this morning to start out with. Um, my sermon title this morning is Don't Make It a Religion. Um, earlier this week, I had had, I just felt like the Lord had put something on my heart that I feel like is important and maybe vitally important for some people and maybe not as important or doesn't seem to be for others. But regardless, I want you to be able to hear this message. I was reminded of uh, my brother-in-law. Let me take a few minutes to pray and then I'm going to share this story with you. Father, I want to praise you and thank you for uh, your word this morning. We've had an opportunity to be here. And Lord, we, we get as much of your presence, Lord, as our hearts are open to. And Lord, some of us get to enjoy that more than others. But Lord, it's, it's our own fault. If we don't get more, we, we can have more. And we can have as much of you, Lord, as we want. And so, Jesus, I just pray today that, Lord, there's some people who've come. I pray every one in this house has come hungry to your table. And Lord, we want to hear from you. Beyond what I say and beyond my words, Lord, we want you to take us down the trail of what you're trying to say to us personally. Because, Lord, there is a call for every one of us not to just be hearers of the word, but doers of it. Lord, we want your word to impact us today. Lord, we love to be able to express worship to you. And out of that worship, Lord, give you our hearts. And Father, today is a special day for all of us because we can respond to you together. We can respond corporately, and we certainly want to do that today. So Father, anoint this message. Give me the life and the joy behind what I'm saying. Lord, let them enjoy this time to hear your word spoken. And Lord, I just thank you for the animation. I thank you for the inspiration for the moment. Lord, the things that aren't written down, but they're going to come. In, uh, and they're going to be said specifically, Lord, to somebody's heart today. And I want to praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So I intended actually to start this to say I know somebody. And this was his story. And I want to share you his story because his story is probably a lot like many others. And maybe we don't realize that. But I think I've, I've run into people similar or situations like, well, a very dear person to my heart, and I still love. I, I still love him with all my heart. Okay, but he uh, he was very strong. We we grew up together. Very strong, stronger than I probably was. Went through a similar lifestyle and situation in his family, like I did. And uh, so a difficult background is what I'm trying to say. And yet, great friends. Great uh, a life together. And then scenario had changed in his life. We grew up. He got married. And he started to have health issues. And it was chronic fatigue. And I think they named it something else at one time. But then it was chronic fatigue. And then you saw all of that change. And his ability to be able to do what he normally could have done kind of went down the tubes. And he wasn't able to do what he used to do. And before you knew it, it seemed like a day would go by. You know, Will, you said it right this morning. Some people are struggling with more than others. But he, if he tried to put out a half a day's work before he knew it, the next day or the next week was spent in just trying to recover and get rest. And so he was hurting and struggling really badly. And he was the provider for his home. And so you watched their financial situation drop. You watched a lot of things change in their life. Well, along with this, as, as every one of us do, and I'm sure you could all raise your hands to this, looking for a way to start feeling better. Uh, praying and asking God for direction, for help. And so theirs was to look through natural means. Is to have some kind of a natural means to be able to do that, whether it was through uh, vitamins, supplements, or even just through the food that they ate. And all of that we know is, is essential and important to our health. And so some of us aren't very good at doing that. We, we should be. 
and we'll probably all say, you know, it feels like I need to do more. And you'll have that reminder today. Today you're going to get that reminder from me. If you're not, you should. And the earlier you start, the better. How many of us? How many of you can just raise your hand at that? The earlier you start, the better. You watch all the older people lift their hands because they're like, well, we found that out maybe late in life too. And so we understand that that's important. And so what I want to emphasize here while I'm talking this morning is these are good things, and they're things that God wants. I want to emphasize that before I go any further, because you may begin to think that's not where he's going with this at some point, but it is important. And as we begin to take care for the body that we have, and he began to emphasize that, and what he noticed was as he had that time uh, through a process of time and years, where he was taking these supplements and going through more of a, a health, healthy way of life, um, it was helping him. And he was being able to work longer and he had more strength. And so then it became kind of like a savior at some point. At least it felt like that to me. And you know our ideas and feelings can be obscured at some point. And so um, it went from one, one fashion to... Uh, supplements to now it was a change in complete change in lifestyle to then it became um, like hobby farming to the point it was like he was looking for land to be able to create his own farm and they were they were not only uh, they were fantastic they were amazing at some of the things that they did his wife included the things that they would make like all natural products and even I stood back, and this is the thing I feel like at some point, you know, some of you that are very focused on health things, you know, you're going to understand what I'm talking about. Some of the rest of us become, become feel embarrassed or convicted around you because we feel like we're not, we're not any, anywhere near your field. We don't live as, as good as you do in that way. Um, and, but we got to be careful for that. And I want to say this is where we have to be really careful. And this is where I think he needed to be careful too. And at some point I remember watching him condemn other Christians because they weren't starting to live up to his lifestyle. And you know, we all fit in a different situation and we can all adapt to it in different ways. And I noticed that that started to become where it was like, you felt like, I don't want to be around him because I know what he's going to do and I know what he's going to say. And I remember watching him do it to somebody one time when I was in their presence, and it was somebody that he knew that was actually good to him, but yet it was just like he didn't do it quite natural enough. And then before you knew it, over time, his biblical views changed. And then the worst thing was, he put the Bible completely aside. And you watched his life and his love for Jesus go somewhere else. And then he no longer professed the Lord in his life. And uh, sometimes they walk back. Sometimes they see, I've made a, the worst mistake of my life. And so what we want to remember that it's good, but it's not God. Meaning that He's, this not supposed to be our primary or final focus. So I want to say a few things with this. Good things are wonderful as long as they don't become our religion. They don't become the center of your devotion, the center of your affection, the heart pursuit of your life. Make sure there's only one heart pursuit. And all of us are probably, in some ways, dangerously close to that somewhere in our life. We're like, okay, I'm really going to give... As I'm devoting myself to the Lord, I'm going to do my best at what I'm doing. Whether it's in music, whether it's on your job, whether it's living a healthy life, it really doesn't matter. But the focus is to do your best for Jesus and keep it that way. Absolutely keep it that way. But be careful that you don't go overboard with that part. Make sure that Jesus is first and, and final in your life. There's an inner sense of what is good, and the problem lies in devoting ourselves to good and not to God. And here's a few things that I think can happen if we're not careful. It'll turn the scholar into a skeptic. Good becomes our God. Love turns into law, and relationships end up being religion. No longer can we worship God freely. 
And, and what you'll notice is this, the pattern of life changes. Where the love to be with the people of God, the love to be where He's praised, begins to diminish. And all you have to ask yourself in, in this place, and we've all kind of been given that conviction already this morning, didn't we? How are you loving Jesus today compared to what it used to be like for you? Can you go back to a point in your life and you're like, my love was so fresh, so new for the Lord, that it was just, that was all it was all about. And now life has taken over and I've gotten other things and I don't love the Lord like I used to. And maybe you feel that personal thing going on in your conscience and you know I need to be loving Jesus more than I am and I'm not. You know, some people equate that to I should be praying more or I should be reading my Bible more. And some of that's true. But it goes beyond that because I know people who have a very religious form of making sure they're reading their Bible and praying. But it doesn't come to be heart devotion and an overflow of deep intimacy with God. And there's, it dies off from there. It doesn't matter where we're at. It dies off from there. And Jesus confronted it because he said, you outwardly appear righteous before men. But inwardly, he begins to talk about things within the heart. And we have to be the same way. Inwardly, you're losing your love for Jesus. So we place our devotion. And listen to me, we've got so much we've got to do with our lives. But if we don't place our greatest care and concern on growing and nurturing our relationship with God, nothing else will ever do in its place. Nothing else. I remember I was talking to a man whose life was so broken, so broken by alcoholism. Literally, I'm not kidding, he had hands full of pills and he would try and bring them down. And his whole focus was to be able to keep from vomiting them back up. He was struggling with life, desperately struggling with life. And I remember him saying this, this to me. He said, um, this is a little bit, can you try and get it? So anyway, um, he was desperately struggling with life. And he said, guilt is of the devil. And I said, no, it's not. I said, the devil will use the guilt in your life. But guilt is something that God gave you to know whether you're in the right or the wrong. But he was struggling so much. And then he, I told him at one point in our conversation, I said, you can, you can grow in grace as much as you want. There's no speed limits to growing in grace. You're the one who decides how fast you're going to go with God. I loved when I went to Bible school because you saw every different kind of brother and sister there. And one of my greatest joys was to meet a brother, just brand new. It may have been from the East Coast. It could have been from the West Coast. We had all kinds of students there. But we met somebody who you could tell they came for God. They came because they wanted to serve the Lord with all of their hearts. And I remember one of the brothers, his name was Jared Dameron. And I remember he was talking about prayer. In my third year, he was my roommate. And I'd love to tell you more about that story. But what I really wanted to emphasize is this brother loved to pray. He loved to pray. And I'd catch him we'd, when I was going to the room and he'd be on his knees in prayer. He'd be out in the field in prayer whenever he had an opportunity to. But this is what I caught. One time he was sharing with a student body something about his heart for prayer. And he was broken down crying because how much he wanted to pray and how much he loved it. Do you understand? It became his heart's expression and tears was just his only way to do it. But he loved to pray. And so I remember the influence of that. And you, you want to understand something. It's not just what we say. It's what people see. They're like, they do love this. And it does matter to them. And they do follow through. So we want to remember that your life and your zeal, brother was reminding me of that this morning, your zeal for the Lord is just supposed to be simply the overflow of your deep and earnest love for God. Isn't it that true? And when you have that, then nothing replaces it. Nothing replaces it. So what is the focus? What are we to be focused on? And we say, God. God's our focus. 
I also want to say the gospel is our focus. We get to the place where we don't keep remembering what the gospel is. And so one thing I want to take you to is Romans 8, chapter, 20, chapter 8, verse 26. 8, 26. You know, some of us get to the place where God was revealing to us, and I know what I'm talking about. You're like, I need help in this area of my life. And the Lord just providentially leads you where you need to be. And then before you know it, you begin to take that thing that God showed you and make it your God. And that's not what the Lord wants for us to do with it. Uh, chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray as we, we should, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Do you know the difference? Do you know the difference of the Holy Spirit helps my infirmities? I want to pray the will of God. I want to be able to pray the Lord's mind for somebody's life. I want to know the Lord's direction. And so maybe the Lord's direction for you personally is, I need to do things in benefit to my health and to my body. And I need to do that right now. Some of us, it might be in the area of evangelism. I don't share my faith, and I need to share my faith with others. There are people that are not saved, that need to be saved, and I need to get out of my fear, in the zone of fear, and I need to go present the gospel to somebody. I have a relationship with somebody that's been broken and I need to make a call. There's a brother or sister. There's some people even here in our, that are not here with us today that they just need you to go knock on their door. Give them a phone call and let them know that you still value them. Churches all across the country are struggling because there's a need for a deeper sense of love. But the truth is, is that the reason why we can do these things is because we're strengthened to God. God gives you strength and He gives you a call to go obey. And then when you step your foot out upon the water, the Lord does miracles and begins to reveal things behind the scenes. So you're like, where is that job that I need? And I don't know if this is the job that I should be taking. I don't know what kind of supplements I need. I don't even know who to talk to that will be the best for me in this area. And then you pray about it and you plan to step out on what God has given you, and you go do it. You go do it. And then you feel better, and you feel that God is blessing you as a result of just steps of obedience and doing what He's called you to do. But what you remember is the Lord helped your infirmities. The Lord didn't leave you alone. He didn't let you just try and figure it out without helping, meaning that by chance, you just happen to walk into the store, meet somebody at church or wherever, and they just happen to be in the field of expertise of the thing that you needed information on. You shared that prayer request with a brother or sister. They didn't know about it. And now they're like, wait a second, I know something or somebody who can help you right now. But who was behind the scenes doing that? Who was working so skillfully to set up your time and your arrangement with that person. God did. God set it up for you. Be the one faithful leper after ten were healed that goes back to worship the Lord for what He does. You know, I've been, every week I try and take time when I'm praying. It's one of the most important focuses of my prayer time is to thank God for things He's done in your life for prayer requests that have been answered, for Elizabeth having the Lord working in her and bringing her out of the hospital. There's things, and as I think we become more thankful. I think George Mueller was a great example of that. He would write down answers to his prayers. How many of you write down answers? When God answers prayer, how many of you write those down? Thankful for our sister here. Praise God. Now, that's just to give a little bit of conviction for those of us who don't. We should be writing those down. And calling back to remembrance, Lord, thank you for answering this prayer because your being faithful to remember what God has done sets you up for another one. 
The Lord is setting you up for another one when you're faithful to thank Him for what He's given. You know, how many of us, we felt like there was kids were, there, we've met kids, not my kids, of course, but you've met kids that have, uh, they get a gift, but they seem so unthankful. It's like they were entitled to, and they don't see the blessing behind the gift, and they don't see the giver behind the gift. We need to see the giver today. The giver of every gift. Some of the greatest gifts God has given me are people like you who may have been suffering something in your life and yet your faith and love toward God is still tremendous, shining light. And so you're not broken by what you're suffering because Jesus is still very real to you. Amen. Also, do you not know that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you? How wonderful is that? How wonderful it is. There wasn't one resource out there. Listen to me. We know it. We believe it. We say it. But do we really live it? There's not another resource out there that can wash away the stain of sin over your life. No one can offer you that. That is a blessing. Meaning that when we go, now listen to me, there's no resistance in the heart of God to the person who says, Lord, please, I need cleansing. I'm a sinner and I need my guilt lifted off of me. I'm in darkness. I have no hope in sin. And there's no restraint in the Lord's heart. The moment you call out to God, there's no moment that He says, wait a second, not right now. It's not my time. I'm going to wait. I'm not going to give it to you right now. It's the anxious heart, the hungry heart that comes and says, Lord, I'm thirsty today. And so the Christian heart comes and says, that same blood that washed me the moment that I declare Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, that same blood makes it so that I can come before God right now and receive as a Christian everything that I need to live for God. Listen to the words of Jesus as He said, Without Me you can do nothing, but we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. All things through Christ who strengthens us. Is this not our joy that the blood of Jesus opened the doorway for us to touch God? There isn't. I was talking to a guy at work just this week. And great, very nice guy. And I was talking to him and I said, well, what's, what's your background, your religious background? And he starts sharing with me. He said, I used to be a Catholic. I was like, okay, so let's go a little bit further with that, right? Go further and find out. You're a cat. You were a Catholic, but I don't believe in it. And I saw a lot of hypocrisy. How many of you heard that a thousand times, right? A lot of hypocrisy. Then he finally got down toward the end of our conversation, and he said this. He said, "I just kind of believe that God made all religions. They're all kind of, you know, all of them have some good in it. You know, as God created many things in creation, and they're all different, but they're all a part of it." I thought that's unique logic, and I've heard that too before. But I said, there's one thing. And I said, this is why I believe in Christianity. Because it's the only one that our God has become our own sacrifice. The only one who's offered up himself. Otherwise, you're left hanging there trying to figure out how you're going to be good enough. How you're going to be able to make your way to God by being a good enough person. There's no other religion that teaches that you can do it any other way but, but trying to get your good deeds to outweigh your bad deeds. And hopefully, that great creator of the universe will accept the best that you've done. And you know that this is what makes Christianity so beautiful. is because Jesus Christ came in our place. He offered up His blood to cleanse me, to cleanse you. We need a fresh reminder of that. A fresh Revelation of, Lord, it's only Your blood that washes me and cleanses me daily and makes me acceptable before You so that when I say, Lord, You said, 
God, this was your promise, that He can say, yes, indeed it was, and it's yours. Praise God for that. Now that brings us to the next point. Are you enjoying the unmerited acceptance of God in your diligence to do good? Yes, be diligent to do good. Do it with all your might. But are you experiencing the unmerited acceptance with God? Has it got to the place that something you're doing in life makes you more, makes God more willing in your eyes to accept you? If I, if I just kind of quit this, this thing that I know I shouldn't be doing, if I finally get anger under control, if I finally do that right thing, finally I'll be able to come to the altar or get in my bedside and pray, and finally God will give me the release that I need. Or did you forget that the only way that you come is by the mercy of the Lord? I come, God, I say, Lord, the reason why you gave me a revelation of your word today was because heaven stretches mercy out to me one more time. You did it, Lord. Because you love me with such great love. You gave this to me. And every gift that God gives, we should be able to give back that thanks. And so it's unmerited with me. Lord, if I've ministered to somebody and they came to Christ, that's unmerited. I didn't win myself a better place in the kingdom of God because I was able to do a better ministry. I just get to come and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for working through me to touch somebody. That's beautiful. So my eight-year-old girl can share her testimony and touch all of our hearts this morning because she's just expressing just that sincere but simple love for Jesus. And we're all going to leave here saying, it wasn't what the preacher said to me today, it's what that little girl said today that makes me want to go home all week long and spend some time with Jesus that I haven't been doing. And we're like, Facebook, it's out the door. TV, I don't have time for it. I don't have time for all these other things because I want to spend time with my Savior. And we're going to just love what the Lord's doing. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, it says, Having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Did it say according to the riches of our goodness? The riches of our our being well-behaved? Because the riches of His grace. Now some of us, you know, we, we will say this often. We'll say we're just human, we fail. And that's probably true, but this is the thing. We often surrender to failure when we don't have to. When we can be close enough to the Lord when we don't have to fail. So hear all of those words. He has made us accepted in the Beloved. What's changed that fact? What changed that fact? Well, I I yelled at my kids today. I I, I did something that I, I know I shouldn't have. I you know that coworker just got under my skin and I said something I shouldn't have done. You know, we all, the joy and enjoyment of family is the family gets to see you for as you really are, don't they? They get to see the worst and best of you. And the beauty of it is, is that God has given each of us a grace to love each other at our worst. And so we're going to see the worst in, in our brothers and sisters and in our churches at times. And God has called us to remember that brother that's failed or you that have failed in front of your brother or your sister. Ex- He's brought you in and made you accepted in the beloved because of Him. And you know what that's done for me in life? Because I've had some times of great regret. How many of you can say you've had that same time? I'm looking for some amens here. How many can say I have some times of great regret, right? I've had those times. And you know what? I'll tell you what my behavior was. I wonder if you guys have done the same thing. When I felt regret, I didn't feel like I could come to God. Not immediately. I can't come for immediate recovery. You know what the problem with that is? The problem is it's not in the Bible. The problem is you're not going to get any better over time. That sin that you committed or that wrong that you've done isn't any more pure because the emotion of your struggle has finally come to an end. You made the sin, you committed the, the, the crime, so to speak, it's not going to be less because you gave more time to it. 
or because you feel better now than you did then. It's the same wrong now, now as it was then. So what you have to come to the realization of is that the reason why you can come in the, the moment is the same reason you can come long after. is because He's the one that accepts you into the Beloved. We're adopted because of Him. It's the riches of His grace. Now what that would do for Christians today, with so many of them sit in churches today and they don't realize, do you mean I can come right now? Absolutely. And who's going to assist you when you get there? <laughs> who's going to assist you when you get to that place you're like, oh man, I messed up, Lord. He does. You know what I love too is, is in, in His presence. The presence of the Lord releases you. And so I've been in that presence where I, I, you know, I start and I'm like, Lord, here's my confession. You know, you'll go over the list and here's the things I just didn't do right. And I confess. And then his presence comes in. And then it's a new confession. And his heart breathed. Confession to God. And then you walk out of that prayer closet feeling a new man in Christ. A new man in Christ. Because the Holy Spirit enabled you to make confessions deeper than surface level and deeper than the grief of your emotion for the moment. And the Holy Spirit gave you the ability to confess the grief and let go of the problem. And now, I love my kids like I didn't love. I'm there for my wife like I wasn't there for my wife. I'm seeing the way I'm behaving on the workforce completely different, and they're noticing it too. And what it is, is the grace of God is at work inside of you, changing you. I was This scripture caught me a few weeks ago, and I want to say it, even if I don't get to anywhere else in this sermon, is this scripture was, God working in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. I like, wait a second. How hard sometimes it is to say, Lord, I just want to do, I want to desire what you want me to do. Like, I'm struggling to just desire to be evangelized. Go share my faith with somebody. I'm struggling because I'm an introvert. You know, those things, those are personal to me. Um, and I struggle with that. And I realized here it is God working in me to will of something that I didn't have a will for before and to do it. It wasn't just to desire it, but then I'm stepping my foot out in the water and I'm doing it. And it's His good pleasure it's God working in me both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And there's something that's needed today, and it's for all of us. We need the Holy Spirit to witness when we have done something. We don't just feel good about what we did. We feel God witnessing back to us. That was His will. That was His will. You know, Peter, he, he ventured out and he cut off the servant's ear and whack, <laughs> you know? He's like, Lord, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to stand there and I'm going to, I'm going to defend you. And Jesus takes that ear off of the ground and puts it back on the man and heals him. And then he begins to speak to Peter words that Peter needed to come into the realization of. Peter, the problem wasn't that you defend me now. The problem was you denied me earlier. <laughs> and so you're not going to be able to make up the difference for what you did by, by defending me in such uh, violence at the moment. And here we are sometimes in the height of our emotions feeling like I need to do more for God. I need to do more for the Lord. I failed. I shouldn't have done that. And so I think that's exactly why we take good things and make them our religion. It's because we get to the place we feel like we need to do more for God. And all of that's true. But you know what, you, what we all, this is simple. We just need to come remembering. I just come fresh every day. New manna every moment. I'm not recommending myself on anything I've done. I'm recommending myself on fresh grace. It says, when the heart of the king was lifted up, it was lifted up to his own pride and to his own destruction. The Lord had helped him, and then his heart became lifted up. All we really need to do is say, Lord, keep me low and keep me humble. Keep me humble. Because it's the humble person that opens the hands of God. Listen to me. The humble person opens God's hand. And when you can humbly just say, Lord, like a child, you have given me again today. And I am so thankful for what you've provided for me.
the Lord is ready to open up the windows of heaven and give you another blessing. So the next one I want to say is not humility the jewel that preserves the integrity of every good deed done. In James chapter 4, verse 6, but, the, but he gives more grace. Wherefore he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's a key scripture. That's a key scripture. Now, I'm going to say something, and this might get to where you might not like what I'm going to say. But I'm going to say it anyway. Can I get an amen on that one? Pride. Have you heard somebody say, have you not done it yourself? I'm angry at God because he didn't do this. Isn't that pride? And the reason I say that is because I see some people go through the same struggles over and over again. I knew a, a, a man, it was like he was caught up in his past, and because of the pain of the past, it was like I couldn't get past this. I was like, do you not know the Lord is your present deliverer, and all he needs right now is an avenue of you acknowledging his faithfulness in your pain. He needs an avenue for you to acknowledge his faithfulness despite your struggle. And then grace comes through that. He resists the proud. The proud are like, God isn't there. There is no God. And they say that. And it doesn't matter what you're struggling. It just matters. Have you left that first love that said, I can live, he, though he slay me, yet I will trust him? And when you do, when you do, you just open God's field of grace in your life. You just opened it up. So I don't know what you might be going through, but I want you to remember, open up the field of grace and don't deny his goodness in the times of struggle because intelligently we're finite. We don't understand all things, but he's infinite. He goes beyond that. And we just need to regard the integrity of God over everything. In John chapter 8, verses 10 through 11, why don't you turn there real quick. So when I was talking to this guy at work, and I shared with him that you know, my hope is that Jesus is forgiveness, he mentioned this. He said, well, we still got to be good people. We still got to be good people. I mean, you know, there's, he was talking about the Bible Belt, and he's like, people were like, um, I'm saved. Now I can live any way I want, right? And so he's like, they, they believe, somehow that's what he, this is the message he got from him. I don't know if that was their true message or not. I've heard people say that. And so... The idea is, is that we still got to be good people. And I, <clears throat> I was driving away and I, th I had this thought. And I was like, but wait a second. Not only is Jesus the source of my forgiveness and cleansing, but he's the one that provokes me to be the good man that God's called me to be. So better than James would be otherwise. And you might find moral people, but you'll never find a Christian that uh, should be, there shouldn't be a Christian ultimately a faithful brother or sister who's under the grace of God, who's struggling to be a better person than somebody who doesn't know Jesus. So John chapter 8, verses 10 through 11, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? And she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Don't you love that? Isn't that amazing what Jesus... Jesus is saying, if you come inside of my forgiveness for what it really is, and let me be your help and strength, you'll find the strength that you need not to go back and sin. Specifically adultery. She'd been caught in adultery. So I want to say that she didn't need to spend a lifetime trying to be better because the Lord was at work within her, giving her the ability to do so. And I think shamelessly, even though we don't have it to say in Scripture, I think shamelessly we can say she didn't go back and recommit that same sin again. I think she remained faithful to the Lord from that day forward because she saw something that only Jesus could do that nobody else could. 
And all I can say is, is this, is when the Lord does something deep and powerful, it leaves an impression on you that you can't get away from. It leaves an impression you can't get away from. So here, how shall we... So we're going to this place through the cross, and then we come to this last place. How do I die to myself? Because that seems to be the greater struggle. It seems like there's this elements in me that needs to just come to be away from this. And so go to Romans chapter 6, 9 through 11. Coming here to a close here shortly. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, reckon yourselves also to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin. Now this is where I think we have a struggle is because People are having a hard time reckoning themselves to be dead to sin. And I can say I feel like probably it's the need for a deeper revelation of Jesus in our lives. There's a difference from what the teacher or the preacher can tell you. And when you spend time with God, and Jesus said it to Peter this way. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven meaning there was a supernatural, a divine revelation that God gives of himself that reveals the nature and the power of Jesus Christ to you that leads you to let go of the things of your flesh. People need a revelation, a personal, divine, and supernatural revelation of God to get to the place because we have a finite understanding but the Holy Spirit reveals things beyond the finite understanding of what we have. And so I believe a lot of people, it's just a matter of, I just got to keep coming until God gets me to that place. But I'll say this, when you, when you get to the place where God is so real to you, you just can't sin. Not meaning that you have inability to sin or that you won't sin ever again. It means that it corrects the normal pattern for life, meaning that I, I, all I can do is say that from some of my experiences, that there was moments alone with God where that was my moment and I can say I walked away from that feeling like I don't know why I'm still here on earth and I don't even know how I can still be trapped in this body. I have had such a revelation of God that I can't go back to the way of life and not feel like it's impacted me for the rest of my life. There are moments that I can go back down into the road of my life and remember moments that I shared with God, that God was in those moments. And the things that He revealed to me, and the things that He showed to me, and how the Word of God stood out to me that changed me from that day forward. It took somebody who couldn't have been up here to do what I'm doing and place something so deep inside of my life that is divine and holy. And I believe the reason why we don't get above the struggles of the present and live is because He's not real. It's just that simple. He's a religious idea. He's a theology in my life. He was an experience of the past. But He's not real to me right now. He's not real to me. And so some of those moments of just like, Lord, I just want to embrace you one more time. Hear the heart cry of somebody who knows his own weaknesses and knows there's no hope in himself. And would you just touch me today? And then the Lord move on you and you feel that strength and you're like, Lord, I can't believe what I'm seeing in the moment. And I want to tell you something. This book doesn't mean half of what it's going to mean until you get a revelation from God. And when that revelation, you look at that Scripture and you will never forget it. One of those Scriptures for me was in Hebrews. I've never tried to memorize that Scripture. 
And it was back when I was in high school. And I remember it today. Those who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Women, they waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. And they had others had trial of cruel mockings and scourging. Jay, more of a bonds and imprisonment. I remember that scripture, and I never once tried to memorize it. Never once. And it's been with me since that day. And what I can say is this, when God gives you a revelation, it's so deposited in your spirit, you do not forget that revelation. And what God does in those moments. And all I can say is, and I'm sure I'm, I'm, for many of you, you're like, I know what you're talking about, but I bet you're loving what I'm talking about at the same time. You're like, I love that because it's refreshing for what God does. And if I could say anything, just go one more time and get another glimpse of Jesus this week. Just get another glimpse of Him in His glory. Say, God, show me Your glory. And I remember that was the one foundation in my early life that seemed to make everything different. I went every morning. Lord, I just want to see a new dimension of Your glory for myself this morning. You know, I didn't get it every morning. But I'll tell you what, there were certain mornings I did. Those mornings were the best mornings of my entire life. And what we do is we keep pursuing God. And I think of some of you, how, how many of you men go out there and hunt? How many of you do that? How many of you used to hunt? Come on, I want to see those hands because I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a call here. I saw that. Good. We see some men that are hunters. What do you do? What do you do? Do you expect that, that deer or the, the elk or whatever you're hunting, do you expect it to just land there and hang in your garage without any effort of your own? These men, some of them, they're incredible. I'm not kidding. Those you men can be incredible. I knew a man, and maybe some of you are like, he said when he was in his younger years, he said he just went and he would track them and they'd run away. He'd track them and he'd run away. And he said, I keep doing it until they got quit. They got tired of running from me. That's a hunter, okay? They got tired of running from me. And he said, then when I'd look into the herd, I'd pick the biggest one, the biggest one, the one I wanted, and I'd shoot him. And then he said, I'd quarter him up and then I'd pack him out. Boom. And I'm like, are you kidding me? When that man got converted, he treated Jesus just like he did that animal. Man, that guy went with the Lord for zeal. And I love that. So when we go hunting, men, don't walk off that field, ladies, until you've finally bagged it. When you've got it in the bag and you're holding it and you're walking home. Jesus wants you to love to pursue him that much. I think sometimes the Lord is right there in the moment. He said, I could show you myself right now, but I want you to come with more hunger. I want you to, with a drive and a thirst for me, to come with more depth. And you're like, Lord, I'm so hungry. Well, then keep coming. And there's those men in the past that have said, I kept pursuing God, and I said, Lord, I'm not leaving until you bless me. Where do you find that in the scripture? You find that with Jacob, with the angel. And he holds on to the angel. I'm just encouraging you folks today for your week, this, this week. He takes hold of that angel. And you know that angel. It's like you could just flick him off like he's an ant. Nothing. But he lets him. He lets him hold on to him. And he breaks the hollow of his thigh. And why? Because there's nothing of Jacob that he wants for Jacob to trust in. It's not Jacob's strength. It's not Jacob's ability. Jacob's just last, lost his last reserve for facing Esau. No more hope, Jacob, in your own strength. You're not going to run from him. You're not going to get away from him. He's coming to meet you with his army. You've got only one hope, and that is I'm your hope. And Jacob holds on to the angel with all of his might. And he says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And the angel says, let me go, and I will not let you go until you bless me. And God blesses him. That is Christianity. There's a point where we say, God, you can't hide from me. 
You, if you run from me, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to follow in those tracks until I get you because I love you. And so the difference from that is this. I'm going to bring this back up. Is you got a life vest, right? And you got a snorkel. Now, what I'm trying to say is, is that one of these saves your life. One of them is to preserve your life. One of them is to keep you from sinking down into the, the, the water. God forbid that you should get to the point where there's anything in your life, anything in your life that you view as a life jacket that looks like this. God help us that we don't get to that point where, Lord, I'm, I'm, being, I'm a whole lot better than I used to be. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't lie, I don't cheat, I don't whatever, whatever. Don't let this snorkel of I'm a better person or I'm doing better at what I used to do or my achievements, whatever they are, they become your life jacket. Remember, the gospel is the only thing that preserves. This can go with it. But don't make sure, make sure you don't just make this the final. And I love that thought because, yes, it applies. Yes, it's important, but it's not this. And it's not going to save us. So as we go forward and we remember that the world we're talking to has a lot of these. The world has a lot of these. A lot of things that they think are good and important and it's going to keep them up in life. Whether they've got a good income or they've got good insurance, they've got good health, or they've got youth. You know, we're young. I can do anything. You can shoot me ten times and I'm still good to go. They have that mentality and this is their life support. This is what they think is getting them by. And that's the deception of darkness. And you have the life vest. And they need that life vest. And the only thing that's going to save them is the blood of the cross. The only thing. So let's get close enough to Jesus so that when we share it with them, it's good enough for them because they see it real in us. Amen? As we come to this close, I want to give an altar call for two things. And the, the first one I want to give an altar call for, a time just to spend before the Lord in, is this. If you've made anything your religion, if you're listening to me right now, and you're like, that's me, that is me, there's been other things in my life that have gotten in the way of my relationship with God. We're not here to judge you. You know that. Some of us right here can feel the same guilt in our own life. What we're here to do is help restore you and help you walk from this day forward, stepping into the Lord. 